From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And thank you very much, Shaggy, for the 50th time, no less. Uh, 50 weeks I've been sitting there doing this um, with various guests uh, off the record. And um, an excuse for me and, uh, well, regular contributors, regular guests, co-hosts, whatever you want, want to call them, uh, to chat inanely about music as we love to do for a little while each week. Now, this week... Stinky Pete is is back with us um, in in spirit and in, in not in body though because uh, no. he's still in Saudi Arabia. Uh, although he'll be back uh, later this week to uh, Blighty, I think that's right in saying yes this week. Um, yeah, I, did, I suppose you might have caught the Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. I noticed that was over there when when you were there. I did. Yes, it was very exciting. I bet it was. Although the, although the wrong result. But, uh... Don't ask me much about. I don't know much about the Grand Prix. I don't know whether Gordon is a Grand Prix fan. No, 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 no. Prefer sport, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, careful, lads. Careful. Oh, steady, steady fights steady. already. And also, I noticed Saudi Arabia beat Australia to qualify for the World Cup. Um, yeah, they were very happy. I have to say that the lads I was teaching this morning, they were very happy about this. They're probably in the team, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably haven't got that many players over there, I wouldn't have thought. They anyway. Have, um, listen, the Saudi league is big now, mate. I'm telling you. Is it? Yeah, okay. it is. Uh, well, Australia aren't out, though. So they've got to play a playoff or something, haven't they, against... Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone um, else from Oceania. Peru, Peru, is it or something? I don't know. Who, no whoever it is. Anyway, alongside Pete, as you can see, if you're watching on uh, Facebook Live, we have, backed by popular demand, from Bonnie Scotland. In fact, from Bonnie Bridge. Bonnie Bridge in Bonnie Scotland. Bonnie Bridge in Bonnie Scotland. We've got Gordon, Gordon Wallace, who, of course, as everybody knows, is Stinky Pete's dealer. With inverted commas, as we call it. <laughs> we need to get another term for that. I think we should. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do apologise for coining this. I should have thought of yeah. I should have thought should have, through. You should have thought it through, yeah. Never, never again <laughs> you'll say that word. Um, I might. Um, shall, we just, shall we go purveyor of vinyl? That'll be a better option. Yeah, quality, it? quality for, for purveyor of vinyl or purveyor of quality vinyl. <laughs> purveyor of quality vinyl. You need a nickname, and you need a nickname. We're going to be on regularly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to, I, I was going to go with vinyl score, but that that would tend to suggest <laughs> that the vinyl was was not as quality as, as yeah. it was. Do not go there. I'm going to leave that one. That's, that's, that's still in the back burner. Right. Well, the subject tonight. Now we've mentioned football and Australia and all sorts of things. Well, it's, it's perhaps a good idea that uh, that um, Austin isn't on this week. Actually, I think Saudi Arabia just beaten Australia. Our Aussie, yeah, no, our Aussie friend. Yeah. Although his fans will be pleased to know he will be back on, I'm fairly sure, fairly soon, in fact, um, now that the time difference isn't as big as my waistline, I suppose. I mean, now that the time's changed, you know, they've gone forward an hour, we've got, you know, so we might get him back on, I'm sure. Um, so here we have Stinky Pete and Gordon. And tonight we'll be discussing uh, 
the musical output of the London-born Declan McManus, a.k.a. Elvis Costello, born in Paddington, I believe. Was it, was it not Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus, or was that just oh, all right, then. on an, on right, an album I'll... sleeve? I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely Declan Patrick McManus. Yeah, definitely is. And Um, the really the the weird thing before we get into it is with his name. I remember when he released the album uh, "Blood and Chocolate," that he had a non plume on it, and there was certain songs attributed to the guitar player to uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, really? And this was years before. The film came out, so I, I was mm. slightly, and it's still never been cleared up to me whether it was a the, the filmmaker was a homage to to Elvis or it was just one of these bizarre coincidences. But uh, he he was obviously, and he also went under the, the little hands of concrete, which is a wee bit a stranger one. But it was also it was always Napoleon Dynamite that that, that struck me as being struck a bit you, odd. Yeah. So a lot of pseudonyms. Me a bit of trivia for you there. Why not? I've got a bit of trivia for you, actually. You probably know already, being a huge fan, as we've already established last week, I think Elvis can walk on water as far as you're concerned, oh, as you yeah. put it. Um, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, his dad was in a musical, was a musician as well, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. You knew that, presumably. In fact, what I did find out, and you probably know this already, but one of the, uh, I think it's in 1974, if you remember... The commercial, the advert, yeah, for R. White's lemonade. Mm-hmm. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Do you remember okay, that yeah. one, Pete? No, don't well, remember. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Oh, it's yeah. Other lemonades are available, obviously. Well, okay. would that have been on? Um, would that have been on ITV? It'd be on ITV, yeah. Yeah, because my father didn't posh. approve. My father didn't approve of ITV, <laughs> so we only watched. We only watched BBC in our house. Yeah, ne- Young upstarts on ITV. Yeah, neither did my dad. Actually, didn't. No, didn't, it wasn't uh, having any of it. Didn't watch anyone. But anyway, his dad sang that, and Elvis was backing vocals on that. That was back in 1974. He's in the advert. The only I've seen the advert, but we had to go looking for it because n- neither the advert or the lemonade was available freely uh, in Bonnie Scotland. Trademark. It? So it's a, it's a, an English only phenomenon, and maybe it was regional. Maybe it wasn't Pete's, you know, rather refined father's refined taste and viewing. It was maybe regional. I can't. Mm, I can't. Be, I'd have to be honest and say that I was never a massive fan of our White's lemonade. In fact, given a choice, I'd choose Iron Brew hundred times out of hundred. Oh, well, there, there, you, there you go. No, yeah. <laughs> Back of the quality neck. beverage. <laughs> quality beverage. It's right up there. Well, let's change the subject from lemonade, shall we? Elvis Costello, then. Yeah. Um, I think we're all going to sort of maybe put forward. 10 of our favourites of his songs, of which, which has had absolutely hundreds, thousands, no doubt. I would I would probably hazard a guess. Um, I've got a number that our loyal listeners or viewers have given me as well. I'll give them a mention at the end. Um, but, Gordon, I'll start with you as a humongous fan. Massive fan. Uh, a massive fan. I mean, what what... 
what attracts what what appeals to you about Elvis Costello and his music? I think it, there's always one artist that that, that takes you sort of through various stages of your your life, uh, and then you usually part company with them, you know, some sometime. Uh, and 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 the age I am, Elvis was right there. He was the acceptable facey punk for me because um, I wasn't allowed to to have a holy jumper or spiky hair or anything like that or listen to to sweary records. So no. obviously, uh, the early Elvis stuff, the Angels want to wear my red shoes and Allison and that whole first album recorded with with uh, Clover, which who I never knew at the time, were, were Huey Lewis's backing band. band. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that first album was really just there everywhere at the time, you know, and then they just had that stringy, fantastic singles, you know, all the way through, and and in those days, they didn't necessarily end up in the, on the album, you know, mm. uh, so, so radio, radio, and th- radio, radio. I think popped up on the American version okay. of uh, this year's model. It was never issued originally on the on the on the British version. So he really, you know, that th- through that whole adolescence went went through him. And then it, the, the great thing about him was he never really stagnated. You know, by the time he had done, you know, get happy, which again referenced all these great. Motown and Northern Soul records and was, you know, just a, 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 a great hodgepodge of them. And at the time he then went on to something like Trust, which to me was his high watermark. It was was just an amazing thing and the stuff that was on that. So me and him pretty much kept good company all the way through to probably round about all this useless beauty. Yeah. Yeah, things like children and... Uh, just lacky sort of time to sort of really get into the album. So I'm acknowledging that some of the problem with, you know, departing Elvis in a slavish manner was, was some of mine. I wasn't investing the time. But certainly the runny albums all the way up to that, pretty near faultless, you know, uh, and, 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 and still return to them. I think I've played Trust in Imperial Bedroom this week on the way to work and still sounding as fresh as ever. So you're talking up to about the mid '90s. You sort of almost departed. Yeah, yeah. If I'm being critical, mighty, mighty like a rose was a bit of a dog. <laughs> and yeah. brutal, brutal, brutal. I can't get my teeth in. Brutal Youth yeah. was a good one. It was a great album. Had some great stuff on it. Hmm. But I think there's possibly have a psychosomatic issue with mighty like a rose because it it came out and I was it was bought for me on the week that I got married. So there was possibly some kind of, you know, some transference that we'll not go into no. within your show of my good lady. Uh, so I don't, I've never worked out what that what that issue was, but no. never took to it. Married okay. life for the album. <laughs> That's fair enough. Pete, yeah. bring you in then, sir. You, no doubt, like a little bit of an intro. Have you for for Elvis or? <sighs> yeah, I. It was really interesting when you kind of, when we were talking about doing Elvis Costello, because, okay, everyone who's listened to this podcast for any length of time with me on it will know that uh, I'm uh, I'm a fan of music rather than songs. 
Um, and so if it's, if it, if it's less than 10 minutes, then, you know, people are just getting going. Um, and, uh, and I kind of feel cheated. Having said that. Kate Bush didn't do one over 10 minutes, did she? <laughs> um, this is enough. Of Good Kate Bush. Yeah, you <laughs> if you mention Kate Bush, I'm going to just find a way of mentioning yes. All right. So just don't go down this road. Well, anyway. we're, we're getting in dangerous territory there, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I've done this now. Right, so anyway, moving right. on, my yes. little introduction. So, I was never a fan of punk, as you know, or at least no. I was never a fan of punk when punk happened, but yeah. I've kind of got into punk later, and we've had that conversation about the clash and the damned and bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think, for me, um, I always liked Elvis Costello because I put him in the same... I put him in the same category and, you know, please feel free to argue with me, but I always see him in the same category as the Jam and the Tom Robinson band and Graham Parker and the Rumour because they all write um, kind of socially aware. I, quite, I like the anger, um, but they also were really, really good songwriters and really good musicians. Yeah. And as you know, I'm a massive TRB fan because of, you know, knowing his sister, mm -hmm. I, I really always liked the jam. I loved Graham Parker and the rumor and, and I put Elvis Costello in the same bracket. Now, having said that, everything that I've chosen for my 10 are all off the first three albums plus one single. So my Elvis Costello period was 1977 to 1980. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, I kind of, of, I, well, I don't mm. own anything. I've got an Elvis Costello's Greatest Hits album, which I play fairly re fairly regularly. Um, but I don't own any of the albums, but I do like a lot of the songs. But it's the early songs that I really, really love. And I have seen him live twice. You've seen everyone live at least twice. No, I haven't. Because we've established that I haven't seen yeah. some band, but but yeah. I did see Elvis Costello, and I and, and it was interesting doing the research on this and kind of thinking back. Um, the first time I saw him, there was kind of a bit of a story there, so you know I'll throw that in at some point when you uh, want a it. Suitable juncture, yeah, um, yeah. I got the Graham Parker in bit because I was listening to a lot of Graham Parker in the room, yeah. Um, Doctor Feelgood, but I know they're not really quite the same. But Graham Parker certainly almost like a a precursor to punk. I yeah. think. Um, if, in fact, I think I'm right in saying a couple of the members of the Rumour played yeah. on the, his watching the detectives. Yeah. yeah, yeah, watching the detectives and um, and probably half the album. I think Andrew Bodnar, I think, was the bassist. Yeah, and, and Martin. Yeah, Martin Bellman was his latest trust. He was still playing on some of the tracks. Hmm. So he's still there. Yeah, but yeah, they, so they were they were all they were all bands of substance, and and I, I would throw Joe Jackson into the mix. Yeah, I know Joe that Jackson, was a, yeah. a lazy. Yeah, Joe Jack, I agree with you. I I would yeah. throw Joe Jackson in as well. Again, he wrote socially aware, well constructed songs with good tunes and good lyrics, and that and I think for me that was what I like about Elvis Costello was yeah. that although he came out of that stable that was music which was kind of anti what I loved. Actually, he bridged that gap because he was so good at what he did. Um, yeah. and, and that's why. I, and, 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 and I think, like Elvis, they had to almost kind of hide that musical heritage because, I mean, yeah. was, was Joe Jackson no trained at, at, at the. I, 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 was, was it, I want to see the Juilliard, but there's some other posh sort of music academy where he studied piano. And of course, Elvis Costello was in, you know, 
folk bands and, and uh, yeah. bands all through the early. But that mm. was the, what you had to present when you were, you know, in the in the, the wave. As the Stranglers would testify, you know, mm. uh, t- who I would always testify were a were a, a prog band in, in Wolf's clothing. You know, that that's my... Mm. I, 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 that was always hidden, you know, the angry young men. Yeah, but all great songwriters. Well, in, in fact, although I loved Graham Park on the Rumour, the early Elvis, when, when he first came out, I don't think I actually owned his debut album, actually. My aim is true. Um, he came on the scene with these glasses that seemed about five times too big for him. That's because they were five times too big for him. That's probably why. They were, they were why. bigger than him. Yes. Um <laughs> And I, honestly, and, and they're not in my 10, I must admit, um, the, the early couple of singles, I know they had two or three that weren't hits. Um, like Allison, amazing. Yeah. Um, was a flop, wasn't it? And Red Shoes, as you say. Yeah. Um, his first major hits were watching the detectives and, and it was, uh, I don't want to go to Chelsea. Now, neither of those two. I, I'm that. I, I don't mind them, obviously. I quite like them, but they're, they're not up there with my favourites at all. Mm. Um, which is which is strange, and that's probably what a lot of people will have watching the detectives. I don't want to go to Chelsea as one of their. Uh, if they had to pick sort of ten songs, but yeah, not necessarily for me. Um, okay, do you want to run through a few? Well, should we, we'll go alternately then. Take your first song then, and we can. We might have a bit of overlap here, but never mind. Yeah, I mean, my first one is off the, the first album, and yeah. uh, it, it's just because it's it's time. It could have been anything. It could have been Blame on Kane. It could have been Welcome to the Working Week. Angels want to wear my red shoes. But mm-hmm. I, I think Alison really has that just that stamp that even then, just you thought, wow, you know that to, to write a ballad in in the punk era. And no, get absolutely slaughtered for it. Mm. Was, was took a bit of doing, and I always remember the Ferrari, and I, I quite liked her version. Uh, I remember the, the, the Elvis's fake outrage, which he's obviously since recanted. When uh, the great Linda Ronstadt done a mm. really, really good cover version of oh, it, yeah. and yeah, done a few of his songs. I, I don't, to the best of my uh, recollection, remember Elvis refusing the royalties. <laughs> they undoubtedly hope for that, no. but it, it, it was a mark of the song that that the people at Linda Ronstadt even could see it and just and just grab it. So, Alison would be the the first one for that first album because you, it's one of them that when you hear that opening guitar figure, even to yeah. this day, you're, you're never you're never bored with it and say, oh, you know, no, I hear this again. So you just sit there and listen to it. So uh, still unsurpassed, I think. Uh, and his ballads. Yeah, it's a great song, uh, and, and that's in my that's in my ten. Um, and it's in my t- and it's in my ten too. And it's yours as well. There, that's cool. there we go. I'm sure Pete will be pleased to know. Rolling Stone <laughs> has has Alison as number three hundred and eighteen in their five hundred greatest songs of all time. That's Pretty a bit low. We're definitely yeah. going to have to create our own list. I think off the record. Ooh. We should. Greatest we should, albums. We should, we should publish it. Yeah, and we, we should, should definitely publish it. We have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, there's something for us to work on. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Linda Ronstadt's version was quite good. I think it came out in 79. In fact, she achieved something that Elvis didn't, of course, and got a hit. Very minorly, at least. Well, I just looked at the picture disc. Do you, do you remember the picture disc? It was a particularly fetching picture of her lacing up a pair of skates with a oh. pair of shorts on. I, I'm sure it was purely the music that drew me to the picture disc. Yes, I'm sure. Fourteen-year-old. I, I think Gordon, you'll find that um, Colin and I have discussed the benefits of Linda Ronstadt from every perspective on a number of occasions. Yes. If you go yeah. back through the podcasts, we, we are Ronstadt right fans. Yeah, indeed. I think for me, I mean, I chose Alison. I, I didn't do my ten in any order. But no, Alison no, I didn't. In the end. I um, and I chose it because it was for me, and I think Gordon said it. it, it, it it's a really lovely ballad um, with very sensitive lyrics at a time when he was kind of shoved into the punk box or certainly punk slash new wave box. Um, and it really wasn't that at all. It could just as easily have been written by one of the Laurel Canyon sets in the yeah. early 70s. You know, it could have been the Eagles, it could have been... You know, it could have been James Taylor. It, 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 so it, it was, a, I really like Elvis Costello's voice. I, you know, as a singer, I like voices that are distinctive. And his mm-hmm. voice is really distinctive. So that very distinctive delivery style, but with such a sensitive song, I just think it works really, really well. Yeah. I, I, I really, really, really like it. It's it's interesting you saying that about his voice, Pete. I, I remember at the height of my Elvis mania where I would have watched anything. There used to be a show on, uh, I don't know if you'll remember it, I think it was called Eight Days a Week, and it was basically a, a, a review. It was, it was called, it was by Robin Denslow, I think, who was a, I don't know if he was sure, he was a Guardian music journalist at the time. But he would have, he would have other musicians on reviewing the week's releases. And the week that, that I seen it. It was Elvis release. Can't even remember what it was. It was in Andy Summers with the Police and Ian Jury were two of the folk reviewing, okay. and they, they both, in their own way, had a well. Uh, Ian Jury and, and Elvis's, um, you know, rivalry was well documented on this the, the Great Stiff tour. And stiff that. tour yeah. yeah. So there was obviously a bit of that had, had been left over. I remember Ian Jury saying. Basically, Elvis was a rubbish guitar player, and had they really got it going on on that? Fair enough. If you're if you're back to the blockheads most nights, you probably think that. But Andy Summers, and this is an interesting thing that Pete said there, says he had a real problem with the Tony Elvis's voice. He just didn't like it. Andy Summers said that. Andy Summers, and I remember thinking, ah, right, okay, that's fine, okay, that's my police album's going out the window for us to be staying on the morning. Stick to playing guitar, mate. But I mean, I think the thing is, the thing is that vo- voices, more than anything else, voices you either engage with or you don't. It's not like like you can someone can play the guitar in a way that you go, I can see the talent, but I don't like the style of guitar playing. Okay, yeah. but with mm-hmm. a voice, a voice is either unique and you like it. Yeah, kind of just a voice, and it passes through one ear and out the other, or unique, and it really annoys you. And that's my problem with Kate Bush because I understand <laughs> that Kate Bush is a really good songwriter, but her voice 
absolutely, I hate it. Whereas Elvis Costello, and I understand why people don't like it, but I think Elvis Costello's voice works brilliantly with the kind of songs he writes. So I, I do think that voices are different. It is, it is a different thing because it's not an instrument, I guess. It's that whole, whole Dylan thing, isn't it? You know, people yeah. say Dylan can't sing, but... Well, it, you he know. can't. Yeah. As a singer, Dylan can't sing, but his delivery style works for Dylan's songs. So mm. it's fine. But it and isn't a quiet taste. It doesn't work with Kate Bush, though. No. Because it's terrible. Anyway, just don't go down the cake or shrimp. Simon will never listen to the podcast again. <laughs> but anyway, that's so that's the. So we've got a clean sweep there of Alison. Yeah. Uh, all well, three of us have got Alison there. Well, it is well, a great song. My, my second one, I'll be pretty surprised if anybody else has got it on their list. Okay. And it was, it was, uh, our, it was originally came out uh, as a B side, but then it was in. It was included on a sort of compilation album we had called Taking Liberties, uh, I think in America, and over here, 10 Bloody Marys and 10 How's Your Father, uh, oh. which just collected all his wee curios and his, his B-sides. And it was a song he originally wrote, apparently, uh, and wanted to give, and I, I don't know if she ever recorded it, uh, but he wanted it to be covered by Dusty Springfield, Oh, I'm uh, reading about this, yeah. Yeah, and it was called Losing You is Just a Memory. No. And it's a fantastic, it's, it's about two minutes, two seconds or something, but it's the most atmospheric, pe- and the thing is, if she would have if she would have covered it, she would have absolutely nailed it, you know, it would just yeah. have suited her down to the ground. I mean, probably it wasn't a big enough name, or Dusty was a wee bit in the doldrums at that time, you know, early 80s before a rediscovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always remember buying the, the, you know, getting it and thinking, how can any man toss this away in a B-side when it's just one of the greatest things I had ever heard? So he's always had that, you know, he's never too precious about something, uh, you know, presented to the world and, and, and you know, you were worshiping me. It was. It's a fantastic song, and it is. It's well worth tracking down on on Spotify or something. But I just wish somebody would have gave it to Dusty and just let her even get Elvis to produce it because he was not only a great singer and and songwriter, he's a very underrated producer as well. I think. But mm. that's another another strand. Don't you think that um, if you that his unwillingness to conform basically he's for me his career has been one who says well i'm going to do what i want to do and if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't and i don't care um and and actually and and, and at that level i think he's quite like neil young because neil young is very similar you know good writer voice that's very distinctive you love it or you hate it there's done a lot of stuff where he's gone I don't care. I'm doing it. It's me. I'm an artist. If you want it, fine. Thank you. I'll have the money. If you don't, then I don't care. Um, and he's got loads of stuff, which is like B-sides and things where you go, mm-hmm. well, that's a great song. Why didn't he do something with it? And I see him and Elvis Costello quite similar in, in, as yeah. well for the same reason. There's a few, like possibly Tom Waits and Nick Cave and then the, all these sort of idiosyncratic ones. Yeah, and yeah. to some degree, grumpy old Van the Man, mm. I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and we, we briefly touched on it last week that I think if, to really make it and you make a conscious decision and then you rough up, knock off a few of the rough edges and 
and you know, you 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 do what's current, and you get in there and get that sort of big album. And I don't mm. think any of the guys have ever really been interested. That's just know what they're about. No, no, no talking about voices and having distinctive voices. Just got a message on the mes- uh, Facebook uh, message board from Rhonda. She gets she gets uh, what you're saying about um, the voices. Uh, John Mayer is one of the best modern gay guitarists, but his voice makes me want to scream. Saw him in concert, just wanted to scream, stop screaming. So she she gets that. It's yeah, like no, uh, no. his voice is like driving nails in my head. So yeah, you feel that way about a certain artist that will not get another mention? No, no, today. No, no, can't. I definitely don't want to. You're talking about throwing away songs. Of course, uh, a lot of people did. Uh, Elvis, obviously, being one of them. Another another one I think you threw away on a B side, which uh, is not on one of my songs, but um, you threw it away on a B side. I think it was. I can't stand up for falling down. Uh, and that was Girls Talk. Yeah, I. Which, did, of, course, did, 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 which of course, Dave Edmonds covered. Dave Edmonds covered it. Yeah. Superbly. That's why. That's a great. I mean, that he's such a great witty lyricist, isn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love that line. You may not be an old-fashioned girl, but you're going to get dated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so Elvis Costello. So, so um, and of course, Dave Edmonds worked with Nick Lowe. In yeah. rock pile, and, and of course, uh, yeah, and Nick Lowe produced a number, certainly the earlier albums. Yeah, of most of them. Right. Yeah, um, we talk about uh, bands like Graham Park on the Room, another band that didn't listen to as much, but Brinsley Schwartz actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, another sort of a pub rock band. Of course, Nick Lowe's yeah. band, previous band before Rock Pile, and Dave Edmonds. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, so, okay, losing. You to just it's just a memory. Yeah, okay. I have to listen to that one. Um, Pete, you got another one? Yeah, I, okay. So I don't know if you remember this, but um, back in uh, back in the days when Radio One was the uh, radio station that was our generation, you know, that had all the great music on it, as opposed to now. Don't get me started on Radio One. Um, but there was a certain DJ, the name of. Tony Blackburn, um, and um, in um, at some point in 1977, he played. I think is it less than zero? He played something by Elvis Costello. One of I don't know whether it was pre the release of My Aim Is True, or whether it was just about at the time that my aim is true was released, because that was July '77, was it? And um, and Blackburn's quoted, and I I heard him say this. I literally heard him say it on the radio, and it's not a direct quote, but he said, "This is a new song by a guy called Elvis Costello." Quote: This guy thinks he's going to be the next big thing. Right. Okay. Okay. Tony Blackburn quote. And with the benefit of, and, and it was obviously, you know, it was kind of like, you know, punk was happening and there was, you know, all of the shite that came out of, of, of the punk stuff. And then Elvis Costello was a proper songwriter um, and a really talented guy. And it just kind of, it, it was the, it was the spirit of the age that kind of, we don't really know what this is going to look like. And we haven't got a reference framework for it. So what I'm going to do is just criticise it. Mm. And 
that was that 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 was what happened, um, and that made me even more determined that I was going to like this Elvis Costello fella because and hate Tony Blackburn, yeah, and hate Tony Blackburn, of course, because he had he, he was slapped by Tony Blackburn. So um, my my next uh, my next choice is also from 1977 and that is the aforementioned angels gonna wear my red shoes or wear my red shoes uh which i think is a great song um what i love about elvis costello is that kind of and allison and and a couple of others old shoes are kind of slightly different from that but what i like is that really kind of forceful not in your face, that's the wrong phrase, but it's kind of like, it's almost like it was a pub. If he was playing in a pub, it would be like you plugged the amp in and you plugged Elvis in and just push play and he went. And and I think Angels Want to Wear My, Wear My Red Shoes is like that. It's one of those songs where you listen to it and you go, I like the lyrics, I like the sound, I like the way he does it. It's a clever song. Um, it's tight, it's well-performed. Um, and it deserves to be a big hit. And um, and again, at the time at which it came out, I thought this is not rubbish like a lot of the stuff that I'm having to listen to. I really like this. So that's Because his, his stuff was really clever and, and, and it was different. And uh, it was interesting that you mentioned Less Than Zero then and, and, and Tony obviously not being a fan because th- th- no one really knew... Well, British people knew what it was about, you know, with the line "Morning, Mr. Oswell" with the swastika tattoo. But the yeah. Americans, thinking obviously, you know, most things will be centred around America, thought it was about Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah, and, yeah. and didn't like it for that reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which obviously they would have, they would have no uh, idea who who Mr. Mosley and his bandy uh, fascists and. Brown shirts uh, parading through uh, the East End of London, where so, uh, but th- that was what he could do, you know. He, 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 he wrong-footed people, and and you had to think about his stuff, which most of most of the punk stuff at the time, you know. Hurry up, Harry! We're going down the pub. <laughs> was was basically, you know, that was pretty one-dimensional. There could be no misinterpretation as to where Jimmy and the boys were going or nope. what they were wearing, corduroys. Called no, yeah, indeed. and laced up boots. And laced so he had that extra layer, yeah. <laughs> but again, I think uh, that's why I put him in the same category as as the Jam and TRB because they wrote songs which made you go and made you think. Um, and if you understood them, then that we was more than just ranting, which was basically yeah. what the Sex Pistols were. So it was, uh, and, you know, Sham sixty nine and, and and all the rest. So. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. Anyway, so Angels, that's oh, right. That's I, my next one. As you know, Pete, anyway, I loved a lot of that stuff as well. I loved the old Six Pistols uh, singles. Yeah, and, me too. But and, it's true, it was kind of. And the Clash mindless. and the Sam 69. Fantastic but yeah, it was indeed. Um, okay, I'm going to put another one in, otherwise we'll run out of time before we've even started. Run through these uh, singles. I've got one for you. It was a standalone single in October 78. Um, Originally, it was intended as um, a Bruce Springsteen-inspired song, and it was called Radio Soul. 
when it first came out. Which yeah. first, first band, Flip City. Flip City, yeah. Uh, and it was written in 1974, but he obviously updated it um, in 77. And it was criticising the com- commercialization of English radio. Um, so sorry, are we talking radio, radio? We're talking yeah. radio or radio. Right. You got that down? That's, that's, on, that's on my list too. Good. So. Okay, that's good. That'll save us a bit of time. Um, but yeah, it um, probably rumoured to be maybe he was provoked by the BBC's ban of the Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen. Um, if I got a quote from him saying you get into the business this is from elvis you get into the business of making records and you realize it's really about it's really about some guy going off with a sack of money to give it to somebody with hookers and cocaine so that they can play your records enough times that people get batted with it and then it makes it a hit um so yeah radio radio we are and he's not a great fan of radio he certainly wasn't back though in those days yeah um, he said it was absolutely the enemy of music, the radio back then. Uh, they're my sworn enemy, and I will have nothing to do with them. He said that in 2003, actually. Um, but yeah, it's a great song. It was added to the, I say it's a standalone single, it was, and it made number 29 in the UK. Um, but it was added to the American version of this year's yeah. medal, which is actually probably the album that, got me into Elvis Costello, I must be honest, not and my name was is the, true. It was the one that really got me into him as well. Yeah, you Johnny, I, come, I, Johnny Come Lately's? Yeah, we had Johnny Come Lately's. No, Johnny Come, no, 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 no. Johnny Come, I saw him live twice before that, so uh, not, not that not okay, that Johnny yeah. Come Lately. Touche, touche. Right then, <laughs> uh, Mr. Elvis Uber fan, what you got next? <laughs> well, the, we, we, we've kind of tied it all up nicely because, I mean, you said obviously Radio Soul and uh, the original ra- uh, Radio Soul was yes. famously on a stiff bootleg, which I remember buying in that there London and backed by uh, The Rumour and produced by Nick Lowe. And my next choice is a Nick Lowe song, and it is just an absolute tumble out your speakers every time you play What's So Funny About, about peace, peace, Love, love and, and Understanding. Okay, well, that's on my band, well. They just, excuse my French, they just kick the shit out of that song. Absolutely. And it, I love the Brinsley's, the Brinsley's original, mm. but it's and it's still great, but it's, it's so much more mannered than what the, the attractions just do to it when they get their hands on it. And, and again, Pete Thomas is drumming very, very underrated drummer and he's stuck with Elvis all these years because the man can just carry a song and just mm. I mean the, the whole album it, you mentioned you know uh, this year's model mm. and I always think the whole band is just wrestling with every song and that it's just it's just basically beating each song into submission uh, and that's what they do with what's so funny about peace love and understand never more uh, apt obviously in these troubled times uh, which is a line there, but uh, just tr- tremendous. And again, to see the potential in that and just absolutely tank it, well, it was a work of genius. Absolute classic. Yeah, that's definitely on my list. It was. I think it was originally, I'm saying this to you, but you know all of this, this factoids anyway, I'm sure. Um, originally was 
released on a Nick Lowe single, the B-side of a Nick Lowe single. The single's called American Squirm. Mm-hmm. And the Elvis and the Attractions, presumably it was the Attractions, or whatever they were called in those days. Um, yeah, uh, they recorded, and it was issued under the name of Nick Lowe and his sound. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I think, again, it's one of these that's been added on to the, certainly the American version, this time of Armed Forces. Mm-hmm. It's not on the UK version of Armed Forces, as far as I was aware. When I got the album, it wasn't on there. Which, which rather surprisingly and contentiously on, on Twitter is, is one of my least favourite Elvis albums. Armed Forces, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but for no other reason, and I think the other ones are a lot better than it, you know, but uh, yeah, tremendous uh, version. And again, another example of stuff that was so good and he didn't feel the need to include it on a, on a bona fide release. Well, as Nick Lowe has said, the song wouldn't have would have uh, the song would have disappeared were it not for Elvis Costello. Yeah, and it's a fantastic video of them singing it in what looks like a either a, dr- a jungle or somebody's unkempt back garden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they always have ill-fitting suits. Although my favourite one is that they they, they do. One uh, my mind gets before there's there's I don't know if I think it might be can't stand up for falling down. Yeah. So they, they tried to do a four tops type dance and they're all clearly pissed out their brains. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's absolutely no rhythm. It definitely didn't a dance on that video. I remember it's like a Northern yeah. soul, Northern soul sort of style song, wasn't it? I can't say I'm falling down. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I loved, I loved the chemistry between them. Uh, a bit of shame what happened between the bass player and him, obviously, but mm. uh, at, at the time, yeah. Tremendous unit. Okay, Pete. Okay, so so having said that I kind of got into Elvis, you know, at the start, the Tony Blackburn link and the whole kind of the stuff from 77 off my aim is true and then the singles that weren't on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am um, uh, on the 10th of September, 1977, I had tickets to, uh, for which I paid £4.80 because I still have the ticket. Um, to go and see Santana at the uh, <laughs> Crystal, the Crystal Palace Garden Party, oh, being really? a massive Santana fan as I am. On the undercard for Santana were Crawler, which was basically bits of free Backstreet Crawler, um, mm-hmm. Brand X, which was Phil Collins and basically UK's version of Weather Report, and. Um, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes and who were brilliant Mm -hmm. and Elvis Costello and the Attractions. So if you think about a lineup, Santana supported by Elvis Costello, supported by Southside Johnny, supported by Brand X. It was a weird mixture. Mm. Now, um, I've got the review of Elvis Costello at the Crystal Palace Garden Party, which I'm going to read because you will like this. It is amusing. So, um, and this is, I think it was either from NME or Melody Maker. I think NME because it's, it doesn't sound like Melody Maker writing. So, um, Costello himself seems prepared for any eventuality, which you certainly couldn't say about his band, the attractions or the guy who mixed the sound. For most of the set, both Costello's guitar and Bruce Thomas's bass 
were practically inaudible, with the result that the overabundance of Steve Manson's pipe organ and Pete Thomas's drums evoked an impression of surreal nostalgia reminiscent of the Mysterians. From the moment Costello, garbed in tight black suit, dark blue shirt and brown shoes, lurched into Welcome to the Workday Week, he gave the distinct impression that he was performing with barely repressed anger. This was the first time that Costello had come face to face with a large audience. Um, there was 20,000. Uh, but there was to be absolutely no compromise on his behalf. His obvious ploy would have been to replay his album and ensure a positive response. No way. Of the 14 songs he performed in quick-fire succession, only Less Than Zero, Red Shoes, Miracle Man and The Closing Mystery Dance are available on record. It was almost as if Costello was putting both the audience and himself to the test. I'm not sure what his motives were. Maybe he's masochistic, but he sure as hell went about it the hard way. And that yeah. was that was the write-up of that first time I saw him. Mm. Um, and I, re I was there to see Santana, massive Santana fan. Um, but he won me over. Uh, the, 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 I, I read it because I remember my mate John and I sitting there um, talking about it, and he, he'd bought um, My Aim is True a few weeks previously, and he said, I'm really looking forward to Elvis Costello. Um, and I said, well, you know, I like the singles, so let's see what he, how he is. And I really enjoyed the set, even though it was difficult to hear, um, sitting halfway back in a crowd of 20,000 people. But having seen him, um, he then released in uh, November 1977, Watching the, the Detectives, yeah. which, the is my, which is my next choice. Um, and if you, if you held a gun to my head and said, choose your top three, watching the detectives would be one of them. I, again, I really like the vibe of the song. I like the lyrics. I think they're clever. Um, what I liked particularly about it as a song was, that he, for me, his skill was he put you in the place. So it was almost like I could imagine watching the detectives and mm -hmm. watch them dragging the lake. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that that's part of his what he's really clever at. Yeah, he's good at. I would say it's a very cold song, very very cold detached song. It is. You know what it is. is. I agree with that. I agree with that. But I. But that's what I'm saying. It was like it's like in the song you're asked to be in the role of the watcher, and I I just think it's it's really clever. It really engaged me. It was the first one of his songs. And, I, and I've said already, I liked the previous two that I've already quoted, but, I, but it was the first one of his songs where I thought, this guy's a real super talent because he can put you in a time and a place. And that's what a good songwriter does. So, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my, that's my next choice. Okay, again, I think that's probably going to be a lot of, I'm surprised if you've got that one in there, Gordon, or not. No, no. You haven't got it No, I haven't got it in no. either, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would, actually. It's one of those that, I think a lot of people would look back and think, yes, one of his, one of his greatest songs. Um, it's vaguely sort of reggae beat to that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, and, also, and you know I love Bob Marley, so that's mm. not a surprise that I, that I would like that sound as well. Who you've seen live. I have. 
Bob Marley. Was but but no, I kind of cod. There was a lot of people doing cod reggae. What, what I, mm. I would term cod reggae at the time. The police obviously built, you know, yeah. a career around yes. it. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and even the great Joe Jackson done a a, a more than passable version of the harder they come. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but Elvis took it. No, he took it to a, a different place. I mean, it was obviously a reggae-inspired song, but yeah. in no way reminded you of anything, you know, to that genre. Well, I think it was, I think the difference was, you know, it, when you listen to Jamaica by Led Zeppelin, it's clearly them taking the piss out of reggae, or if it isn't, that's how it sounds. Whereas I think that that, that watching The Detectives is just him writing a song which happens to have that syncopated reggae yeah. beat. But I don't think he's pretending, I don't think he's trying to 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 do reggae. I think no. he's just doing a song. He's just taking that, that, that uh, approach. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think we're in danger slightly of getting into our first three, four albums, Get Away Elvis, which, and, and as fine as they are, I think his best period came after that. I mean, he's, his, his top four albums for me are Trust, Imperial Bedroom, uh, uh, Blood and Chocolate, and uh, King of America. So none, none of the early ones probably make... Um, this year's model would maybe sneak in there. So mm-hmm. my next one is... <laughs> the, and the, the rather chilling sort of first memory I have of this song, because I knew the Trust album was coming out, and he was on, believe it or not, Jim will fix it. Oh dear! Uh, right, yeah. Oh. And it was he, he done a, a version of um, from a whisper to a scream with the great Chris Difford of Squeeze alternating on vocals. And I quite clearly remember the now then now then you know I was about that. I was about that. Now then, owls. Joe Joe yeah, poor wee guy out who I've since obviously feared for, never never heard. And then the guy, the wee guy, was about ten or something, and got his badge uh, from Elvis, and he had wanted to hear Elvis Costello in the attractions. Um, and I remember buying it at a popular market in, in Edinburgh called uh, Ingles Market, sadly no longer with us, and taking it home and being. Absolutely, the album trust being absolutely disappointed with it on the first play because it was just too hard. It was just there was no, you know, there was no sort of red shoes and there was there was no Oliver's Army and there was nothing. You had to really work at it. So I just left it playing for about three weeks and then never took it off for the next fifteen years. Sort of thing. Uh, and, and to this day, it's still my favourite one. Me and Martin Harris of Twitter have came to uh, virtual blows over whether that or Imperial Bedroom is his high point. But I always just think Trust just makes it so many fantastic songs, like um, the 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 great sort of um, range of them. You've got songs about one night stands, and you've got you know Clubland. Uh, you've got out and out country songs, everything on it, and it just all hangs together. You've got piano ballads, the whole thing just hangs, but it's not one that you just go in right away and say, you know, oh, I, I really get this. You, you had to work at trust, and that, that was obviously a wee bit of measure of his weight, I think. 
with that time. The slow so, burner. A slow burner. So club land, um, a whisper to a scream of the two sort of big hits. Well, they weren't really that big hits, but, you know. Um, but, you know, stuff like High Fidelity, which I always... <laughs> I used to say to people, High Fidelity, and they would obviously, you know, if they weren't a great music fan, they would think I was talking about the Kids With Fame, who had a top five hit with the same title, and I would get people going, oh, I like that one, yeah, High Fidelity. Hi, hi, hi. I'd say, right, okay, we, we can't be friends anymore. Uh, never speak to me again. Never, never darken my doorstep. So which, is, which, song, which song have you chosen then? Have you gone for From Whisper to Scream or Club? I Man? went for a, a, a Whisper to Scream. My favourite off the album is actually one called You'll Never Be a Man. Uh, but I wanted to not no be deliberately, you know, uh, obtuse uh, and bring out stuff that people haven't heard. So I think Chris Difford really brings a wee bit something to it. And I remember Elvis saying that in retrospect, he thought it just wasn't, he wasn't hard enough on it. He thought that Chris sang his bit really good, but his vocal was a bit wimpy. And mm. it's an extraordinary thing to say because they just attacked the song in the way that they did then. Mm. So, uh, yeah, from a whisper to a scream. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw one in now uh, from 89. So I've gone forward Ooh. from Trust. When was Trust? 81, yeah. Well, tr- so, trust 81, yeah. Yeah, I've gone for the – you mentioned them at the start, um, I think. McCartney, or maybe it was off air, but yes, it was off the Spike album, and I <laughs> think actually is is one of my favourite Elvis Costello songs. Says he was co-written by Paul McCartney. How much Paul McCartney did, I don't know. Whether or not yeah. it's one of those Lennon McCartney things, you know, that Costello Who brings knows? the song and then he sort of, oh yeah. yeah, put a little bridge in there or a little middle eight or whatever, and it's Veronica. Yeah, I just love that song. Um, it's well, it, as you know, the song. If everybody else says it, it's focusing on um, an older woman who has um, experienced severe memory loss. I think he, he was inspired by his own grandmother, yeah, grandmother dementia, think, yeah. who yeah. had yeah suffered from Alzheimer's, um, and you know she still had as he called it, terrifying moments of lucidity. Um, but yeah, his, his potential, yeah, it was his grand, paternal grandmother called Molly, Mabel Josephine Jackson, but her Catholic confirmation name was Veronica. And it got to number 31 in the UK. And amazingly, in the US, it was a number 19 hit. So it actually beat, it beat the UK, Veronica, uh, in the US. And it's a, it's a great, Catchy song as well. I do mm-hmm. like a catchy song. Um, yeah. Pete, on to you. Now, it's interesting because um, I don't know whether you follow her on Twitter, but um, one of the people who I followed very early on, Marianne, uh, who is Hungarian, married to a German guy. Um, and she and I are Twitter buddies. Um, and she's listened to a few of these podcasts because she also is an extremely accomplished musician singer-songwriter, um, and uh, if uh, things have worked out differently, might have ended up having a career at it. Um, but she said to me when I was talking about this, she said Spike is one of my favourite albums at all, ever, by anybody. Um, mm-hmm. and is an absolutely terrific piece of music. 
Um, I've never heard it. So now on um, Marion's um, uh, say-so, I shall have to go out and uh, buy myself a copy of Spike. I have a spare copy for you, which <laughs> I shall... I shall... <laughs> I shall send to you. Well, in and that you- case, uh, you can tell me, and I'll and I'll listen to it. But uh, yeah, so so it so I I, I I literally know nothing of it. But if if Marion says it's good, it's good. Um, so um, I shall uh, I shall give it a listen. Oh, um, taken, Pete. I mean, I said it was good as well. <laughs> yeah, what else? Yeah, I know. But you know, I mean, Marion. I like Elvis. Music. Yeah, <laughs> Marion's a proper musician. Anyway, right. no, I'm just joking. Um, so at some point between, um, well, kind of round about the time that the, my last choice, um, watching the detectives, was just about to come into the charts, I, I must, I saw, uh, my problem doing this from a hotel room in Saudi Arabia is I don't have any of my stuff that I usually have at home when I'm doing my research. So I went back through the history of all of Elvis Costello's gigs in the 70s, um, which was quite some Quite some feat, I have to say. Yeah. And I've um, I've worked out that the other time I saw him was probably Manchester Apollo, which was October '77. Because I can't find another. I used to go to Manchester Apollo a lot, and I can't find another venue and timing which would make sense. So I think the other time I saw him was at Manchester Apollo, um, and that must have been when he was promoting watching the detectives, and you know, like that. So the end of that um, the end of the My Aim is True tour um, before then this year's model. So anyway, that was my that was my other my other live time. So I have chosen um, from if I, if I had to choose my favourite Elvis Costello song, it would have been one of the next two. So. Uh, March 1978, I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. I absolutely love that song. Now, Colin would appreciate this as Spurs fans. Uh, obviously, one of the reasons I love the song is because why in God's name would anybody ever want to go to Chelsea, um, either the place or the uh, football stadium. Um, but I also happen to really love the song as well. Um, and it's one of those ones which is really upbeat, angry, um, it kind of, when it came out, it reminded me a bit. It, it could have been on a Tom. It could have been on the Power in the Darkness Tom Robinson album. It was the same kind of uh, the same kind of anger, the same kind of sound, and that's why I, that's why I um, why I associated with it. I like the words, um, and I just the band is really tight on that, and I just think it's a really good song. So yeah, that's my that's my next one, March seventy eight. Okay, and it was his. Where did that get in the chart? And that was quite um, high, wasn't it? Was it top, probably his, was it top? That was his second hit, 16, yeah. Watching the Detectives was 15. Yeah, and, then, and I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea was 16, yeah. yeah. And my, my next one was the, the next of his hits, actually. But um, we've been talking for about an hour already, actually, and we haven't even got half of them done yet, so we'll have to be quick to well, just I've run got, yeah, I've, got, I've got more than half done. Have you? I've got... Yeah. One, two, three. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going anyway. I've got four left. Fair enough. I've never been good at math. So, uh, Gordon, what have you got next? Right. Well, it, it, to me, we're going to travel on a bit because he had his initial success and then he had his, his, his big chart hit. 
then we had his wee country detour with, with, with other big almost, hits, you know. Almost Blue. Loved, yeah, Loved Almost yeah. Blue. Took me to so many artists that I, I had never really explored, like, uh, you know, um, Emily Harris, Graham Parsons, Charlie Rich, George Jones. So he had all that. And then he had probably commercially a wee bit of a fallow period. So he had some albums that weren't, you know, out and out bona fide, big, you know, sort of hits. He, he had Punch the Clock and he had Goodbye Cruel World. And I mean, Goodbye Cruel World is one of his poorly produced albums. You know, a Ironman Stanley didn't really get him, I don't think. So, anyway, the, the, the reason I'm setting the scene here, the, the kind of writing was on the wall for him in some of the, the publications that I used to read. And I remember the NME running a live sort of review of him and they had a photo Elvis looking really sweaty and overweight and he had just brought out the the cover of the animals single uh, don't let me be misunderstood and he basically oh, yeah. said this is the end for Elvis he's just no you know he, he's just not got it anymore and we've, we've had these good years and he's in decline and then he only went and brought out two of the best albums of his or anybody else's career within a year each other. And he brought out Blood and Chocolate, which I remember him doing a couple of songs at No Grey Whistle Test. And they were just absolutely almost psychotic, the way he just knocked them out of the park. But the song that they released as the sort of single, the lead single of it, it was almost suicidal. It was, it was eight minutes long, as unradio friendly as you could get. I had a rambling sort of Bob Dylan streamy conscious type lyric with Argentina and all manner of imagery thrown in there. And it was called Tokyo Storm Morning. Tokyo Storm Morning, yeah. And it was just absolutely magnificent. And I just thought, right, okay, well, if this is what's coming, like, you know, serve it up. And he brought Nick Lowe back in and he produced it. And the album just absolutely killed it. It was just a triumph from start to finish. Everything in it. And they had also, they managed to put in the most psychotic love song ever written, a song called I Want You. Mm-hmm. It was basically somebody, you, you could almost picture him sitting on the end of a bed with a knife in his hand, you know. Yeah. It's so dark yeah. and depressing and, and twisted, but fantastic uh, with this twisted sort of metallic guitar all the way through. So if that wasn't the bad enough. He then went away out and done an album with T-Bone Burnett uh, called King of America, which couldn't have been more different if they'd tried. It was just mm. basically, you know, the Americana sort of movement just reinvented. Uh, and again, I had stuff on it that was just, it was like he'd been born in the Deep South. It was You could never tell that this was a guy for, for uh, you know, uh, did you say Paddington? Paddington, yeah, he was born in Paddington. I always yeah. think of him as more a Liverpudlian because I think that's where he came up. I know he was originally. You know. well, he's half, anyway, half, half Irish, was he? Was half yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah. And Liverpool, he always goes on about Liverpool and Rotherhithe. And yeah, yeah. And Declan is usually a giveaway with that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Good point. <laughs> but, but, so he'd he done it, and, all, and from that, so I'm going to wrap up two mine here. So we had Tokyo Stone Warning from Blood and Chocolate, and then we had a song called Suit of Lights from. Um, King of America. King of America, which is just a gorgeous, gorgeous song for great imagery as well. And then at the end, I just thought, well, Christ, the man's not finished. If he's got two albums like that within a year, 
And to me, that was him right back on his throne. Mm. We were re-engaged, never to be uh, doubted again. Tokyo Storm Morning, was that um, co-written? It was, wasn't it? From with, um, oh, what's her name? From the Pogues. Um, yeah, but his wife at the time, Caitlin. Yeah, yeah, Caitlin co-written. Yeah, co-written. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she sings yeah, back vocals on, on uh, Poor Napoleon and a few of the other songs on the on album. The on the album. It's really good. And she, she, she's on Twitter, she's quite accessible. Uh, Can we just you, be clear here that there is a song by Elvis Costello which is eight minutes? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, good. Is, right. yeah. so we, need to, we need to get hold of a copy of this as well, then, because if, <laughs> like, if it's eight minutes, it's a proper piece of music. It's a so, proper. And it, it always, the song that always reminds me is of um, is Bob Dylan's um, either Subterranean Homesick Blues or, you know, uh, something of, of that sort of imagery type, sort of tumbling subconscious lyric, but fantastic song. Mm. Uh-huh. A suicidal choice for a single. It's, it's it was never getting anywhere near Tony Blackburn. <laughs> Pete, Pete likes length, so uh, I do. So I've heard. Um, so <laughs> it's only a rumor. It's nice to know. Vicious it's rumor. It's a Graham Parker in the rumor. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to quickly go on to a, a quick couple here. Then um, you mentioned subterranean homesick blues, actually, Gordon. But my my song has very subterranean homesick blues sort of inspiration uh to it uh and that is pump it up yeah 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 i can see that yeah um this year's model um which was written as a sarcastic sort of um response to we talked about earlier the stiffs live tour mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. the debauchery no doubt that went on there uh, during that time, uh, and it was a, it was just it was the next hit after uh, watching Detectives and Chelsea, and it got to number twenty four in the UK chart. Um, well, but, you know, it was it's funny you, you say about the imagery there, uh, because as everybody will know, uh, there's a young Twitter upstart by the name of Billy Edwards who's managed to have conversations on Twitter with a great man. Yeah, because Billy had put a wee thing about, uh, it's a new person, so I'm no, no, uh, somebody who had a, a song which which he felt owned more than a, a passing nod to an Elvis Costello song that uh, Elvis then came back and says, well, you just need to look at Chuck Berry, Too Much Monkey too Business, Bob Dylan, Subterranean Homesick Blues, yeah. and then, you know, pump it up. So that. He was just basically saying the chain is always there. The the good, you know, the genius is to take the inspiration and change it enough so that people don't, you know, see the plagiarism and then, you know, do it. Apparently, Dylan uh, wrote to Costello about the pump it up and the similarities with subterranean right home blues. And uh, Dylan wrote to him about, now I, believe, I think I'm right saying it was a U2 song uh, called mm-hmm. Get Your. Get on your boots or get your boots on, get on your boots or something like that. It's probably on no no line on the horizon album. Yeah. Which definitely had another passing ref, uh, yeah. resemblance to to the said song. Uh, and um, Dylan joked, as it turned out, to Elvis Costello, how dare Bono yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> copy copy your song, uh, pump it up, when, of course, he realised that it was actually pretty much inspired by his own Dylan song. Yeah. Anyway, Subterranean Handship. Yeah. 
which he which he freely you know admits was inspired by Chuck Berry's too much Chuck monkey Berry's business. Too much monkey business. Yeah, monkey business. Yeah. Also, the drum beat in Pump It Up was inspired uh, inspired. Sorry, um, according to their guitarist, uh, My Sharona of the Neck. Ah, that's right. Yeah, I read that before. Bill yeah. was uh, was always army know a, a lift for uh, Dancing Queen. I haven't seen Dancing Queen, um, but yeah, according to Elvis himself, that's they, they, they played about with the riff for Dancing Queen. All right, are we talking ABBA? We're talking ABBA, yeah. If you change your mind, <laughs> take a chance on ABBA, Pete. Take a chance on I'm the first ABBA. in line, ABBA, Kate Bush, Elvis, Presley. Is this man is this man is they get up in the middle of the night to, to talk about such trivialities, Colin? I know. For God's sake, oh. steer the conversation to wait our tomes. Barbie has said uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Steal. Um, also, she said watching the detectives was the theme song to an American uh, show called History Detectives. There we go. That, that I did not know. There's some Elvis Costello trivia that even Gordon didn't know. So that's There you story. go. Uh, while I'm on this year's model, sorry, I'm going to quickly mention uh, another one then, which was um, this year's girl. She's probably one of the songs. Oh, yeah. A single. It wasn't a single, no. but it was. Um, this was another inspiration from the uh, Rolling Stones' "Stupid Girl" from yeah. 1966. You which, want her broken uh, with her mouth wide open? Yeah. Yeah. That so so sorry, mis- misogynistic. Sorry. Yes, yeah, you got to criticise of that quite a bit, didn't he? But he said his lyrics uh, might have been tough on the girl, but it was full of regret and a little sympathy. While the Jagger Richards songs seemed to just take delight in being heartless and cruel. Yeah. Um, and again, the drum feature. We're talking about the My Sharona drum beat. The drum feature in this year's Girl features a sort of a stop-start. Yeah. Like Calypso. Ticket to Ride, I'm thinking. Oh, right, yeah. But I always right. think there's a bit of that. Okay. There's me Beatles. We got there. We oh. got there. <laughs> right, Pete. Okay, so um, I'm... Uh, okay, I'm at Pump, Pump It Up is my favourite Elvis Costello song. Okay. So Thanks if, I, if I could only choose one, Pump It Up is my song. Yeah. Um, I, I, had, I, I, when it, I heard it the first time... And I thought, yeah, this I absolutely love. And right through any time I've ever heard Elvis Costello stuff for the subsequent 40 years, I always zero back to pump it up because it just, for all of the things you've said, you know, I just think it's an absolutely brilliant pop rock song um, and I love it. So having parked Pump It Up, um, I've, I've got, I've got two songs which are very much related to each other, which I'll do last. So the other one, which I'll mention now, is Accidents Will Happen um, off... Um, Armed Forces. Off Armed Forces. Um, opened it. I think it opened the album, didn't it? It's, mm-hmm. uh, yes, it did. I think it started um, the album, didn't it? It's, yeah. And that was released on the 4th of May, 1979, which was the day after my 22nd birthday. So um, it was uh, Elvis's birthday present to me a day later. Nice. Um, and um, I, no um, coincidence, I would have thought. No, it, 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 because I was such a great fan, he just wrote it especially for me. 
Um, but they sent it late. Anyway, by accident, <laughs> but they happen. Um, <laughs> again, it's just, I, I like, I love the lyrics. I, you know, go back to the, the jam and, and the Tom Robinson thing. I'm, I'm, I love music and the lyrics for me are secondary. But when I hear something where the lyrics really, I think, are clever, then that just adds to the music. Um, and and I think accidents will happen is one of those, you know, not only hit and run because you go accidents, hit and run accidents. I just think he plays, I think his talent is, well, he's got lots of talents and Gordon will, you know, hate me if I don't say that. But he, what I think his real talent is when he takes a lyric and he just does it really cleverly mm-hmm. and you, and, and, and that engages you with the story. Um, and I and I think it's a really nice, a really good song. Um, and on balance, I think probably that's my favourite album. Um, and um, and and yeah, I just I, I really 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 like it. So that is my. Oh, I, I don't know which is that number seven or number eight. What number is? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm going to do, I'll, I'll do the other two. I'll do the other two together. But anyway, so yeah, accidents will accidents work. It's interesting what you're saying, Peter, about his his lyrics because I I don't know if any he's ever seen them. They were only on Sky over here, but he done a series of show shows called Spectacle. Do my Ronnie Corbett there for his <laughs> uh, nice. and he was and it was basically he would have a bunch of musical guests on whether it be you know Lou Reed, Smokey Robinson, Levin Helm, Richard Thompson. They had Springsteen on it and, and done a whole one with him. I remember, you know, they were talking and, and Springsteen saying that pretty much what he was hearing from over this side of the pond, as it were, was, it was like, almost like a kick up the ass for him, you know? Mm. The, the, the lyrics and some of the stuff that was coming out on, on the punk stuff, primarily Costello, but he also obviously referenced The Clash as well. He says yeah. him, he had to up his game for, you know, not just writing mythical sort of songs about cars and girls and motorbikes and things like that. He says because the stuff that was hearing, um, what was the phrase he used? Who put these fingertips on my imagination? Mm-hmm. You know, which was a, 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 a obviously a line quoting Elvis a line for one of his own songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that was one of the ones that would certainly have done that for Springsteen because it was just so much. And of course, they were so they were so bold then that they got Barney Bubbles to create a wonderful sleeve for the single and then hid it in the inside so that it was only mm. a white sleeve. <laughs> yeah. True to the nature of accidents will happen. This the sleeve was printed inside out. I just thought that was <laughs> just hilarious. Who would yeah. do that nowadays, you know? And you, you yeah. had to look in to see where it was or cut the sleeve and fold it around the other way. Yeah. Mm. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah, it's, it's a good song, great words, really like it. Yeah. Can I? I'm going to mention. I've got a couple actually, but one. You mentioned it earlier on, High Fidelity. Yeah, that's great. on my ten. I mean, Get Happy album in eighty. It was nineteen eighty, wasn't it? Um, yeah, just didn't it was was that the album after Armed Forces? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I followed it on. I, I remember because that orange cover, um, mm-hmm. a very sort of 60s style cover almost I seem to remember with the, the writing on it the yeah. get happy with the exclamation marks and stuff and, and there was about 50 songs on the album <laughs> it's yeah. a hell of a lot 
There was too many. crammed them on. There's too many, there was, yeah. There was what too many for a hi-fi point of view. It's almost his exactly, worst yeah. sounding album. It sounds terrible and vinyl. Yeah. Um, but in high fidelity, I did like very um, um, Motown influenced. Um, yeah. The in fact, the the opening line of the song, um, some things you never get used to, was um, straight taken straight from the title of a Diana Ross and Supreme song. Yeah, which was which is on the Love Child album in 1968. But yeah, High Fidelity, good song. Number and, 30 and hit in the UK. Here's a wee trivia question for you, Colin. Go on. Lead off single, I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down, was was yes. released on which record label? Was it on Stax? No. It was, it was uh, what, oh, sorry, you mean the Elvis, the Elvis Costello? Um, yes, I Can't Stand version. Up. Oh yeah, um, I thought you were talking about the original. I think Sam and Dave sang it originally, didn't they? No, uh, no, you. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They, so there's a much uh, slower cover. F, F something. F. You think the F beat? No. Yeah. F Actually, beat. the original came out and then was quickly withdrawn, meaning the copies of it are worth literally hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And there's a couple mm. of Twitter buddies who's have it, whose addresses I'm still trying to find. So I can mm. visit them in the middle of the night and relieve them of their copy of it, uh, because it's only it, your duty, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. They should give it, it because it initially came out on two tone. Two tone, really? Good grief! Wow. Wasn't that wasn't that the home of the specials, etc.? That was the home of the two tone. Yeah, the two tone sound. The so they rushed it out, and there was only hundreds of them made it out, and then it was withdrawn and reissued on obviously the correct label, as it were. And mm. there is, I've seen, there's one, I don't know if he's all Phil, follow Phil, uh, Phil282 on Twitter, and he has a copy which he delights in parading in front of me every now and again, like some yeah, trophy wife. Do that. Don't you just hate it when people do that? I will find where he lives. I'm coming. Yeah, I'm <laughs> coming for you, man. If you see a large Scotsman coming through your window, you'll know why. <laughs> I've got a mate that uh, Colin and I were at school with. He was my year, we're a couple of years above Cole. But um, he's got uh, he's got the ten, the double ten inch man album live at the Patty, and that is worth a bloody fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got that, and he said, you know, I said to him, you need to sell it. He said, no, why? He said, I'm just sitting, you know. It'll keep on appreciating in price. It's uh, one of those uh, ones where limited edition and uh, you can't get it for love or money. No. So, yeah, great choice. Great. Great choice uh, yeah, I, I mean, an honorary mention, actually, I do love New Amsterdam on that album. Yeah, it's a great song as well. We, he's got loads of wee nuggets. Him, yeah, just that's it. That Liverpool and Rotherhide. But he's got loads of wee nuggets on that, like um, Motel Matches is one of my favourite Elvis mm. songs. It's, it's just stuck away there doing nothing. Just Yeah, yeah. There's so many songs on there, though, weren't there? Yeah. I think the, the original demo he made was the one that ended up on the album because he couldn't get the attractions. Couldn't, to, he, couldn't he get the, yeah, couldn't, couldn't he get, get the feeling it, right. Couldn't and, get the feeling yeah. right, yeah. Uh, okay, Pete, you've got a couple then. Your last two, is it, yeah. together? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've had, yeah, I Can't Stand Up Falling Down was my, was, was oh. my outlier choice. Um, which I think is a great song. Um, and I can't remember now whether I've done nine or ten. I've, I've, 
I've got the thing over there. I can't remember whether I've done no, um, right. 10, whether that's my number 10 or my number 11. But anyway, honorary mention to Can't Stand Up Falling Down. I think it's a lovely song. But um, I've got two which kind of go together. Um, the only Elvis single that I ever bought, um, February 1979, Oliver's Army. Okay. So, and I actually have that as a seven inch piece of vinyl. Um, and this was when my ex and I were going out. Um, and I think either I bought it for her or she bought it for me, but we bought it not for Oliver's Army. We bought it for the flip side, which was nice, funny Valentine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and we, we had a you kind of romantic, like a you. yeah, that's right. Yeah, me, I'm <laughs> Mr. Romantic. Um, we had this, um, we had this, um, uh, cassette that we used to play, uh, in the car loads, like when, when the kids were all, you know, in the Land Rover and everything, carting around on holidays. We had a few compilation albums that we did, and one of them had got Oliver's Army and, um, My Funny Valentine on it, and it's just like. I know it's just a really nice version of a really nice song. And I just think that the package of the kind of that upbeat um, Oliver's Army on one side and then My Funny Valentine being a total counterpoint to that as the B-side. And I just think it makes it makes just a really good package as two songs on on one yeah, seven-inch. So I see uh, sorry, I just I, I I see you says you won't be playing it live anymore. I saw that. Anymore. Yeah, I mean Oliver's Army is on my list actually. So I mean that, again, that's quite handy. I'll I'll bung that down as well. Uh, oh, clearly, Oliver's his biggest ever. Oliver's Army is just hit. Oliver's Army is just terrific words, isn't it? And mm. just a great song. It's just that whole. Yeah, you know, I I, I just think as a package. It works really well, and then having my funny, funny Valentine as the flip side, I just kind of, you know, it, it, it mm. kind of shuts it all off nicely as a as a, yeah. as a release. So yeah, they're my last, they're my last two. Yeah, it's a shame that. Um, well, we, we know the offending lyrics, supposedly offending lyrics. Yeah, they don't, they don't like. Uh, although you know, I, I noticed that one of I think one of the BBCs, Radio Six, is it Radio Six? Mm-hmm. Broadcast it with that's it. Six music. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, they aired it with um with it sort of well omitted the particular. Yeah, lyric. they just um, cut it. In. They just I, cut I, it. Yeah. What's the offending lyric? I have no idea. So why would it rhymes with rhymes with trigger? trigger. trigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, only it only t- it basically talking about. Um, well, it was an it was an anti-racist yeah. and anti-racist yeah. anti-war song, really, wasn't so, it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So it, only, it only takes one itchy trigger, one more widow, one less white, and it rhymes with trigger. Yeah. So yeah, I, thought was, was, I thought it was liquor and talking about party animals from the seventies. Well, right, and you're va- <laughs> and you're vaguely alcoholic dancing. And my vaguely alcoholic dancing. This is, it sounds like the kind of song I could be thrown out of tiffs to. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've, it was it's clearly his chart wise, is certainly his biggest hit single in the UK. Yeah. Got to number two. Yeah. Got to number two. Um, but yeah, good song. 
Um, so that's that. Is that you done there, Pete? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've okay. covered all the ones. I was so Gordon, you got uh, you've got another one or two? I've got another, another two. So go on then. Uh, the, 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 uh, I think he was also he's very underrated as a, a sort of interpreter of uh, other people's songs. Uh, I remember him doing "I'm Your Toy," as I say, which drew me to Graham Parsons and, and my now. You know, I love that that man's entire output, and that took mm. me all the way back to the Flying Burrito Brothers and the Birds. And, uh, so he done a great version of that, but That's he also good. done a cover version of one of the, the most disturbing songs you'll ever hear, uh, a song called "Psycho" by the great Leon Payne, uh, and it's a country song where basically a man who's asking his mother to uh, make him some fried some fried fish. Uh, because he's had some kind of psychotic episode and basically killed half the town and buried them underneath a tree. Uh, and it's just one of these lyrics. It's just one of these lyrics. And he's also uh, manages to strangle a pup in it as well. And you, you, you're probably wondering what's in this song that could make me love it so, but yeah. it's, it's a completely, you know, sympathetic treatment of a man's psychotic episode. And of course, the sting in the tail at the end is when he's asking his mother why she won't come and try his fish. And the final line is, Mama, why don't you get up? So he's obviously done away with it. The, the pure mater as well has gone to meet her yeah. maker. Uh, and he's, he's, he's off the whole lot. Uh, and again, it was tucked away on the, the B side. Uh, uh, probably would be good for, good year for the Roses or something like that, or a 12 inch. Oh, really? Okay. I can't remember. Uh, and it's on the, the CD version of Almost Blue. Uh, tremendous song. <laughs> Just type in Psycho, uh, Elvis Costello, and you'll be delighted to, to hear it. Uh, and my last one was one of the great... We, we, we spoke briefly about Spike, and mm. Pete is obviously uh, looking forward to his copy winging its way to him. Uh, oh, but he does... He does a great, great protest song in it, which is so full of bitterness and vitriol at a time when he was seemed to be getting a wee bit establishment all, almost. Uh, and it's he's, uh, he's paying to Margaret Thatcher called Tramp the Dirt Down. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's got some beautiful songs on it, Spike. He's got uh, Any King Shilling and loads of great stuff like that. But this is just to say to somebody... You can't wait to see them put you on the ground and just trample the dirt above you. Yeah. And if anybody, I mean, they had obviously wrote the lyrics to shipbuilding just, you know, before that all during her Falklands War. Mm. And this was a good bit after it. You know, this is 80, 80, what, 89? No, 89? No, it's not Spike. even as late as that. Spike, What's yeah. It? Spike was 89, I think, yeah. It was a yeah, yeah, so it was about that, and and he absolutely uh, nailed the sort of contempt that he had for Margaret at that time, yes. uh, and age had not withered him, shall we say? So wow. that's the signing off for a wee a wee bit of Elvis's poison pen, just to sort of uh, take us in the, into the night. Uh, tremendous! Uh, he can write any kind of song, whether it's a toe tapper. Uh, you know, a throwaway by fluff like every day I write the book mm. or just something as dark and deranged as I want you or tramp the dirt down. What a man. Down, yeah. Okay. There's, there's going to be a lot of anti-Thatcher songs around that time, funnily enough. 
she wasn't yeah. particularly popular, was she? <laughs> well, to be she, she got in a few times. Still an here, no. She's not in so, a few not times. Not supporter, no. <laughs> no. Was it Tears for Fears had a rather nasty rebuke? Uh, to, was it Was it Everybody Wants to Rule the World or was it one of their other yeah. songs? It yeah, was that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I listened to some of the lyrics to that. I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, what else have I got then? I must have another one or two here. I can just briefly mention. Um, I mean, Honourable Mentions, I think Good Year for the Roses. I do love that song. Um, it's a Jerry Chestnut song, isn't it? So that's probably someone else you dip, dabbled with after you heard yeah, the album. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, the George Jones version, obviously. And of course, um, Hank Williams as well. Mm-hmm. His song "Open the Album." Um, bit of country. I know Pete's not a great country fan. Why don't you love me like you used to do? Why don't you love me like you used to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sending out almost blue to Pete. Actually, he's certainly not a country fan. No. Uh, you're not an armed forces fan, but I do like Busy Bodies on that album. That's another great song. It's not that I don't like it. I just like other ones better. You, you know, know other ones more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I'll hear you. Um, and I'll leave that strange one that I've picked until last. But um, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Sulky Girl. Yeah, from Brutal Youth. From Brutal Youth, yeah. Um, that's his club. first... First album with the attractions for a while, wasn't it? He came back. Yeah, they, they had a brief, a, a brief. Six brief yeah, yeah. I, and then they tried to get back with Bruce Thomas, and it didn't really gel. And Bruce went away and wrote a rather kind of spiteful, uh, not autobiography, but really was an autobiography about him. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Uh, I think you talked about last week, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You talking about the lead singer, but you didn't say who it was. But we all knew yeah. who it was. Uh, of course, Nick Lowe was on bass a lot on that album as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the strange one I've picked. We talk about voices, and I do love his voice. And this is a song which you might you might hate. I oh, and I, I think I know what you're going to say. She, she, yeah, <laughs> yes, she. <laughs> From uh, the and I do love the film, and that's probably why I love the song at the end of it, the Notting Hill. Oh, right. I couldn't remember if it was Notting Hill or, or Love. Actually, I knew it was a Richard. It was Notting Hill, and it it finished. Yeah, the very end yeah. scene where Julia Roberts realizes that she's going to stick around. He, you know, etc. I won't bore you with the details of that, but she. Was a song originally? You know the song, Pete. I'm sure. Yeah, no, is it? But it's Charles Aznavour, isn't it? Charles Aznavour, yes. Yeah, the late, the late great Charles Aznavour. I, I love the song. I love the song. I didn't like the song at the time in 1974 when it came out and made number one by Charles Aznavour, actually. But looking no. back on it, it was a great it was. song. Yeah, and it was a bit, was a bit of a short arse, wasn't it? It was a weekend French short arse. He was. It? He was. Yeah. He passed away a couple of years ago, I think, didn't he? Yeah. In the bar, it was one of them sort of sex symbols that you couldn't understand why he was a sex symbol, a bit like Telly Savalas at the time. Maybe so. Yeah, God, that was another crappy record, wasn't it? <laughs> His version of If he just talked. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was shocking. That was absolutely, yeah, absolutely dreadful. Um, yeah. Right. Well, since we've all given and we've had a number from all of us, I'm just going to quickly run through a few songs here that a lot we've mentioned before that people have given me here. Uh, I've got uh, Krista has given me Veronica and every day I write the book. I think we've mentioned both of those. Katrina. Oh, God, give me strength. 
This is with Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach, painted from memory. Um, and it, it makes her ugly cry, apparently. Oh. Uh, watching the detectives. Uh, Rebecca's giving me Alison. Pump it up. Every day I write the book. Oliver's Army and Pigeon English. Oh, excellent, yeah. From Imperial Bedroom. Imperial uh, Bedroom, yeah. Mondrian has given me What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding. Welcome to the Working Week. The Imposter. There's various albums here, aren't there? Yeah, happy, yeah. Uh, the Beat from this year's model. Uh, Goon Squad from Arms Forces. Blame It on Kane. And Less Than Zero from My Aim's True. Um, uh, Eric has given me Beyond Belief from Imperial Bedroom. And Imperial Indoor, Bedroom, yeah. Indoor Fireworks. Yeah, King of America, yeah. Another good song. Um, what have we got there? Joanna's given me Lip Service from Armed, Armed Forces. I like that one as well. That's another one I could have had. Adrian Oliver's Army. Clive has given me uh, a collection here. Um some ballads and some rockier ones. You've got Alison, Good Year for the Roses, Every Day I Write the Book, Indoor Fireworks. And then he's also got I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, Pump It Up, Radio Radio, and Oliver's Army. I think we've mentioned quite a few of those. And Barbie, finally, uh, has given, she's given me them in order. Oh. She's obviously quite keen. Have you heard the album from last year, was it, or the year before? Yeah, I don't have it. It didn't really didn't land for me. Boy Named If. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got four songs from that on this list here. Uh, in order, we've got ten. Pump it up. Nine, the difference from aforesaid album. Uh, eight, what is it that I need that I don't already have from the same album? Uh, Farewell, okay from the same album, and also a number six, my most beautiful mistake, which is from that album. And then the top five, crawling to the USA. That was a oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. It was for the film. It was for a film. Uh, a film with, the, I think it was a film Auto American, and there was the Ramones and uh, Meatloaf. I think was on it and things like that. Really? But, yeah, because it's an older it's, song of his, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's right My for that period. Miami time. Yeah. Uh, number four. Uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Number three. Watching the detectives. Uh, number two, Stella Hurt. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. No. Number one, uh, from the soundtrack to The Big Lebowski, My Mood Swings. Mm. An eclectic mix there, I think. Yeah, I would say so. But, yeah, what a talent he was and still is. The man. He's Indeed. the man. He's the man. Uh, Name of his compilation. Did, he, did um, you provide Pete with his greatest hits or very best of Elvis Costello? No, 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 or no, not? no. You, went, you went to a shop, did you? No, it's a CD that I had many, many, many years ago. Sourced independently, as we say. Sourced independently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. We love to hear it. Uh, All right, well, I've got thank- um, I've got my trip up to Lancaster next week for Daniel's wedding, or the week after next for Daniel's wedding. So I shall be crawling around the uh, the Oxfam record shop up there, see if there's anything exciting, as I do when I go. As you do. Good luck with that, Pete. I'll let you know if there's a £100 PFM. Thank you to both of you from various parts of the world. Saudi Arabia, Bonnie Bridge, 
Whereabouts in Saudi are you, by the way? It's Slap bang in the centre of Riyadh, just off King Cross. All right, okay. And from Chelmsford, of course, I am still sitting. Um, we still stand with Ukraine. And, um, yeah, what else can I say? This podcast will be posted to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker. It'll be on the Off The Record Facebook page and the CBW Productions Facebook page and also the cbwproductions.com website. Um, yeah, all of, all of the past, well, including this, the 50 episodes are all available there. Um, so they're probably still, they're all still on Facebook as well. And of course, ultimately, as Slim Nick would also say, it will be on the BBC, but it will be more like Channel 5, I think. <laughs> um, and so for the moment, from Elvis Costello, and it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. And it's good night from them. Aha! Not off. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> <laughs>